and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Unis Centre for Social Business and Health, a research centre based at GCU that studies how individuals and communities can be improved through a better understanding of various community-based and health-focused initiatives. Professor Rachel Baker, the director of the Unis Centre, hosts today's show, and she's joined by two very special guests to look back over the past 10 years and reflect on the centre's success. Welcome everyone to our 10-year celebration of the Unis Centre for Social Business and Health at Glasgow Caledonian University. My name's Rachel Baker, I'm Director of the UNIS Centre and Professor of Health Economics and I'm joined today by Professor Pamela Gillis, Vice-Chancellor of the University and by Professor Cam Donaldson, Pro-Vice-Chancellor Research and UNIS Chair. Cam was also the Founding Director of the UNIS Centre back in 2010. So as part of our celebrations, we thought it would be nice to look back over that 10 years and the very start of the UNIS Centre and to talk about the the journey that we've been on, the challenges, perhaps the learning points, uh, and looking to the future and the next 10 years. I wonder if I could start with you, Principal. Would you mind talking through the very beginning of that relationship that became so inspirational with Professor Muhammad Yunus? Happy to, Rachel. And uh, it all started for me in the year 2000 when I met an amazing Indian epidemiologist called Dr. Samajit Jana. He was involved in a project with an extraordinary group of sex workers in Kolkata, 11,000 sex workers, who had a group called the Darbar Mahila Samanwaya Committee. It was a union of sex workers. And they'd gathered with Dr. Jana to create a project to prevent HIV in their local community and to try to protect their families. And I'd been invited by Dr. Jana to go and visit the project because I was involved in a similar project in Nottingham with the Prostitute Outreach Workers Project that we'd established at about a similar uh, time level in 1990 when HIV was first increasing in incidence among sex worker groups. But I was so excited to go to Kolkata to see Darbar in action because of the scale. And I thought, my goodness. And when I got there, I was astonished because this group of women were not only setting up uh, HIV prevention clinics, they'd set up a fish farm, they'd set up a local microcredit bank of their own, they'd set up sewing centres, they'd set up outreach workers. Some of these things, the prostitute outreach workers in Nottingham a project had done as well, but not at the scale. It was extraordinary. When I was there, I discovered the one thing that they couldn't get going was a school for local children, their children, because as, as children of sex workers, they weren't allowed to go to school. So I was privileged to be able to raise a little bit of money to give directly to the women themselves. Within a year, Rachel, they'd got some local men to build a school, to build a clinic. And it was just extraordinary to see for a very tiny amount of UK pounds Um, and they came to me at the end of building the school to show me the school the following year and said we did something terrible with your money Pamela Um, because we actually we didn't spend it all but we bought an ambulance uh, with the remainder 
And they were, they were just so exciting. They didn't, of course, speak English. I was doing all this through an interpreter. And when I visited their offices, and that was about 2000, end of 2001, 2002, I was sitting in their office. They'd been visited by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the World Health Organization, famous bodies from all over the world. But there was this battered paperback called Banker to the Poor, and I could see the name Muhammad Yunus, and I picked it up, and uh, Dr. Jana said to me, oh, take that away, Pamela. We were doing all this uh, long before we read about it in the book. And, and so I thought, my goodness, who's this person? And I was so astonished by what I read. It was visionary. It was exciting. And I followed his work thereafter. So when I became vice chancellor of Glasgow Caledonian University in 2006, I thought, oh, my goodness, now's the chance to invite uh, this very famous man. By, by then, he had his Nobel Prize. So he was world famous. I'd love to invite him to come to Glasgow Caledonian University. And I was, I was very lucky because we had a Bangladeshi uh, academic on staff called Azim Ibrahim. And I said to Azim, Azim, I'm going to write a handwritten note to Professor Yunus and invite him to come to the university. Do you think you could maybe take it and give it to him next time you go home to Dhaka? And that's what we did. So without Azim, we wouldn't have had the handwritten note delivered to Yunus. And I remember him saying to me, he said, that was so unusual, Pamela. I thought, oh, this is, this is an interesting offer. And I invited him actually to come and, yes, give a lecture, but actually to receive an honorary degree, which he did in December, in December 2008, and also to be part of the Magnuson Fellowship Group, our very first meeting where we had Raja Shahada, the Palestinian lawyer and human rights activist. We had uh, Will Storer, the theologian from Princeton. We had Sir Tom Hunter. Uh, the businessman. We had Lord Gus MacDonald, who was our chancellor then, and I, I was obviously chairing. And we had a fantastic meeting with Eunice about alleviating poverty, microcredit and social business. That was the title. And the report recommended a couple of things. It recommended we set up a research centre to uh, assess, create an evidence base, really, for the impact of microcredit. And we decided as a group that we had to reach out with education, make education at the higher level more accessible around the world, particularly in emerging nations. So from that group uh, meeting, uh, Eunice invited me to go to Bangladesh the following February. That was just a couple of months away, which I did. And again, he was pleased. I'd responded quickly. He said, oh, this is good. Somebody working fast. And at that meeting, we agreed we set up the Gramming Caledonian College of Nursing. We'd help as a university, university to support that, which we established the following year. We agreed that the research centre would carry his name and it would be set up at GCU the following year. And we just agreed that we'd be friends. He, he's such an accessible, warm, uh, amazing man. And it was exciting for me. So. When I came home, um, I thought, no, my goodness, we're setting up a new research centre. This, this really needs a leader of, uh, of some uh, considerable significance. It needs somebody who's passionate about our values, who's passionate about reducing poverty and reducing inequalities. Um, but we need somebody super good. And I could see that one of the best health economists in the United Kingdom, if not the world at that time, was a professor, Cam Donaldson. But he was at a research intensive university, a Russell group, Newcastle. Goodness. 
how how can how can how can I get him interested in in this initiative? And to be honest, Rachel, um, I didn't ask anybody else. Cam didn't know this at the time. I just thought this is the person who could lead uh, this amazing initiative, and um, I just contacted them with with a telephone call. As you know, a couple of years later, Eunice so impressed with us, and you know how we are action oriented. Agreed to be our chancellor, which was 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 very exciting. But it was early days in 2010 when I was approaching this really quite uh, a significant and famous professor, Cam Donaldson. So that's the story of how it started. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great story, and it brings us to you, Cam. And uh, I wonder if you could tell it from your perspective and pick up from where the principal leaves off in a way. Um, you had a, a career as a, a health economics researcher. How much of a, of a turn in the road was this for you? It, I mean, it was, it was a turn in the road. The, the, but a number of things had come together. I'd, I'd spent a few years in Canada, actually, going right back to the period of time that the, the principle started with, you know, around about 2000. And there, I, I was quite struck by how the leading universities there were still really quite close and reached out to their communities and then came back to the UK to Newcastle as the principal said and it was uh, there I was struck by how sort of uh, much of a divide there was between our elite universities and, and their, their communities so that that was that was one aspect and then as as Pamela said the we we know that we have world-class research particularly health and medical research going on across all of you know all of our leading universities in the UK but we still have these great blights in our society which one of which of course is health inequality so the whole idea of the the, the UNIS Centre for Social Business and Health I think was uh, just just a brilliant one for thinking about how social business social enterprise microfinance could through acting on social determinants of health actually be seen through the lens of being a, a public health initiative so it was so exciting to think about how to then build a research center around that 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 big idea but another thing that intrigued me going back to my original point was this idea of a university for the common good a, a university that was committed to its community and it, it's not just local community but the, the idea of community and how that could impact on, on people's well-being. And that, that was something that I really wasn't experiencing in, in, in the UK university sector. And I, I still think in many respects, well, all respects, we're, we're still out in front uh, in that regard. And we, we knew that, uh, well, I knew that uh, after that initial conversation that we had a, a, a passionate leader who would, uh, who would support us in in what we wanted to do. It was a departure in the sense that I knew who Muhammad Yunus was. I didn't know so much about social enterprise and social business. I knew about microfinance, but the, it, it was really this idea of, of, of taking these things to, to try and impact on this notion of, of health inequalities in, in our own country. You know, Glasgow has, has really wide uh, disparities in, in, in that sense with respect to, say, life expectancy between richest and poorest. 
and that was shown as recently as, as 2010 when the centre started. So could we just sort of chip away at that with our own uh, research agenda? But it was it was new thinking. But at the same time, I think that uh, the university was also crying out actually for for health economics uh, more broadly. So areas that I'd worked in in the past with respect to health economics uh, seemed like a, a, a good fit uh, with researchers in our uh, Centre for Living and the School of Health and Life Sciences. And that indeed has turned out to be the case. But so it was more than just an insurance policy because that, that, has, that has thrived as well. But uh, it was it was this this notion of, of working on the ideas of, of this Nobel uh, Peace Laureate and trying to bring those ideas to Scotland to uh, chip away at this major problem that we still have that was uh, in the context of a university for the common good that was just so exciting and continues to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we were there was three people I think uh, that made up the Unis Centre, uh, drawing in expertise and staff across the university, of course. But uh, today we are thirty-five staff and doctoral students uh, sitting together and doing exciting research. But that's quite a journey from the three to where we are now. And I'm just wondering about what you might say are the challenges of setting up what's now a research centre with an international reputation at a modern university like Glasgow Caledonian. And perhaps in particular, reflecting on whether or not there were times when you thought maybe this isn't going to work. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we have to, to accept that the, there are challenges that Modern universities don't necessarily have the resources to uh, pump into to new new centres, and I, I think, and as I've alluded to, centres are really trying to build on brand new ideas. But then again, in uh, the more research intensives, I think that in some senses they are so much on a, a an already established trajectory and, and juggernaut that innovating is 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 a challenge there. So if we can create pockets of excellence, and I think that's what Pamela had thought, uh, then we would at least have the ability through even through, you know, quite modest support to, 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 to have the potential to build something really quite significant. Um, and, and that's basically what we did. We, we did it with uh, originally with a small number of uh, PhD students working on this idea of social business and health. So in that sense, it was, I mean, that, that was a significant, it's a significant number of people in the, actually the, the, the original three uh, have just turned out to be amazing people. You know, Neil McHugh's a reader with us now, Michael Roy's a professor, uh, and, and Clementine Hill O'Connor has, has gone on to a, a prestigious research fellowship at Strathclyde University. And I went to see the principal around 2013. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this, Pamela, but you know the, the health economic side of things was booming, you know, largely under your own leadership, Rachel, and, and that of, of Helen Mason. But, um, but the social business thing, this idea of it as a public health initiative it was we were struggling to get that idea across to research funders it might have been our fault might have been their conservatism I suspect it was a bit of both and so I said to Pamela that 
I wasn't really sure it was it was working. But you know, she didn't say much, but just showed I think inspirational leadership and said, look, we we still believe in this. So just just keep going. Mm. So and then what happened was about six to twelve months later, we got two really big hits, you know, multi-million pound grants, one one with the European Commission, uh, working with nine other countries across Europe on the ecosystem for social enterprise and social business. And the other one, of course, was our big uh, MRC program grant, uh, Common Health. And th those, two, those two grants, in a sense, turned us into a centre, I think, you know, a, a, a proper world-class and still unique, I think, uh, research centre. But we wouldn't have got there without the initial investment in those uh, those three PhD students and the work of yourself and Helen in with respect to, to health economics. How did that look from your perspective, Principal, and to what extent is, is patience a very important part of growing a new uh, research centre like ours? I think, Rachel, when you uh, when you see excellence in action, when you can recognise excellence, and to me it was quite obvious we had, yes, a small group, but a small group who were intellectually top drawer, asking asking the important questions. You know, that's how you advance knowledge by asking challenging, disruptive, and difficult questions. And yes, they weren't questions that were popular in the academy at that time. But I knew that um, uh, this small group of researchers led by you and Cam were absolutely first class. So um, in the modern context, it was an easy decision for me to say, keep going, you know, and to keep investing. Oh, oh my, my job is just to create an environment within which excellence can, can flourish. But I, I knew we had, we had excellence. I thought we were asking the right questions. Nobody else was asking them. But I knew there were the right questions. So it was really easy to say, you know, just give a wee nudge, uh, keep going and expand. We weren't at that time uh, at a critical mass. You know, we weren't at a tipping point of a critical mass. But we were, we were on a journey. And as Cam said, when those two big research hits came, very unusual in a modern university to receive funding from those kinds of sort of blue chip sources. Oh, well, that opened the doors. <laughs> I, I think as well, something that's just come to mind as, as Pamela was talking there, Rachel, is that, you know, we, we came together from, from, from Newcastle. Pamela's right, we didn't have that, that critical mass. But, you know, like, the, the, there were people here already that needed maybe a bit of harnessing, pushing in the direction of feeling more confident about the... The, the the research and the perspectives that they had to offer that was really good and that 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 got, that gave us I think a, a rapid education um, in 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 areas where we were we were lacking you know with respect to things like microfinance and and, and uh, poverty in Scotland etc yeah. and and then but we did also make in later years some other key appointments you know so again I hesitate to, to mention names but I've done so already but um, Simon Teasdale I think was was another 
another key uh, appointment for us. Uh, that 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 actually, that gave us a lot of credibility actually in in the this, this small academic group around say the UK and even internationally with respect to uh, social enterprise research, but of course that strongly related to social business. And of course, Olga Bioska, Bioska in terms Olga, of like I met, you know, I went to with Neil McHugh. I've already mentioned we went off to the microfinance summit that takes place every five years. And all, all the, the great and the good of microfinance get together. And of course, at that summit, uh, Eunice is one of the, the microfinance heroes type thing. But, you know, Neil and I were going along to, to educate ourselves. We, we did run a session at it. But we were, we were the conference, we, you flew into Madrid and you had to get a bus to Valladolid, uh, where the conference was being held. And on the, on the bureau at Madrid airport uh, was this, uh, this woman, uh, Olga Bioska, and um, I think it was Neil that walked up and said, I'm Neil McHugh, uh, and she said, uh, oh, Neil McHugh from the Unis Centre, are you with Cam Donaldson? And you know what Neil's like, he's huge, he's like nearly six foot six, and uh, I was standing right behind him, but she couldn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just popped my head out and said, yes, that's me. She was a, she'd just finished her PhD in microfinance and health at the University of Sheffield. And um, as you say, Rachel, uh, cut this long story short, what an inspirational appointment she uh, she proved to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should talk a bit about the future of the centre. So I wonder if both of you might make some remarks about key achievements, if you haven't already covered them, because we've covered quite a lot of, uh, of, of great successes already, I think, in what you said. And, and focus on the next 10 years uh, and, and where you see the Unis Centre going from here. Do you want to start, Principal? Okay. I think uh, Cam was right. What the Unis Centre has provided for the university as a whole is a bit of confidence uh, in our ability to be even better than we already are, but to be world leading. That confidence is so important. And I think over the last 10 years, the Unis Centre has been pivotal in helping us achieve our position in the Times Higher um, Impact Lead. So we're in the top 50 universities in the world for the uh, social impact of our research. And honestly, Rachel and Cam, I don't think we would have been there uh, without you and without the encouragement um, and the role model that the Unis Centre offered to others in the university. What do I see over the next 10 years? Well, I, I see the Unicenter scaling up its impact as part of a whole university project. And of course, in partnership with other universities and other centers around the world. So I want to see, I want to see more impact. Uh, I want to see, I want to see you grow um, because the quality is there. The questions that you are asking are so, so important, especially in the light of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, which really is or potentially is a transformational point in contemporary history where we will be revisiting uh, how we engage in developing the resilience of our local communities around the world and how we reduce poverty, reduce inequalities. I think we are now at a point in history where that might just have an engine behind it, an engine for change. And I see the Unicenter 
uh, at the heart of that. Thank you. And, and Cam? Well, no pressure then. Um, <laughs> so, I, well, of course, that pressure is now on you, uh, Rachel. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly uh, with, with all of that. In terms of other achievements, uh, to me, to me it's, it's been, on one hand, uh, all about the people. Like you say, we've gone from that three to 35. I talked about that original group of PhD students, but wow, we've gone through three or four waves of PhD students now, and they just, they never cease to, uh, to amaze me in terms of the, 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 the talent and commitment uh, that they have and how they're able to bridge this idea of commitment to the idea of the role of civil society, social business, but to step back from it and take a, uh, uh, the independent review that's required of a, of a university researcher. Fantastic uh, group of people. So we've built academic capacity in the area. It's been reflected in publishing in top journals uh, internationally. And that, that, but that's also, on the other hand, important for the sector, for civil society, uh, the, the third sector, for social business, social enterprise, because I think having a strong research arm gives the sector more, more confidence. It gives it an evidence base to draw on, not all of which is always positive, but they, but, but they have the confidence to say, well, let's do the research and we'll draw lessons from it. And I think that has happened too. I think we're at the, we're at the head of a network of now over 70 UNIS social business centers around the globe. Uh, and our university is, is, is a recognized leader uh, in that academic network. We're at the head of uh, the International Social Innovation Research Network, uh, again, led by uh, people like, like, like Simon Teasdale. So the, 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 the achievements in those respects, I think, have been, been huge, as well as contributing, of course, to the idea of, uh, of, of, of a more inclusive economy at the, the more local Scottish government level. You have to be able to, to do it all, contribute locally and internationally, and I think we've done that. So that's all well and good. I think the, the principle's right to refer to COVID. And I mean, what I see is two things. I, I see us being driven along from behind by COVID, but reaching out to the future in terms of the SDGs, which are the, the Sustainable Development Goals, which are there until 2030. And, but the two of those are, of course, uh, intimately related. So the, the, the Sustainable Development Goals drive our research strategy here at, at Glasgow Caledonian. They're a great fit with the University for the Common Good. The UNIS Centre, as Pamela said, is right at the heart uh, uh, of, of, of that strategy. But what COVID has exposed is more than ever the SDGs relevance to developing uh, a better world. And the, I, I don't think there can be much more uh, uh, exciting, really, than, than, than having our UNIS Centre for Social Business and Health as, as, as part of that. Thanks, Cam. It's really hard to follow that. Um, but as, as director and going forward in the UNIS Centre, I would echo what you've just said about the fantastic staff and students that we have. It's, been, it's, it's a great place to work, and it's a great place to work not just because the UNIS Centre has an important vision and mission that I think people can commit to within a university for the common good, which I think all of our staff feel very connected with 
Um, but because the people that we've managed to attract to the UNIS Centre are, are not just fantastic researchers and students, but also fantastic human beings. Um, and we have three new, very exciting uh, research themes that we're launching in this 10th year. Social economy, which is led by Professor Michael Roy. Economics of health and well-being, uh, led by Professor Helen Mason. And, a, and a, a newish group called Communities, Citizenship and Participation, led by Professor Arte Steiner. The last few weeks under lockdown have been challenging, I think, for all staff and people in the higher education sector and much more widely. The staff in the Unicentre have been working harder than ever and we have grants in, including some work around mutual aid uh, responses to and community responses to the COVID-19 pandemic uh, and, the, and the lockdown associated with that. Um, so it's exciting stuff going forward. Um, I'm very, very pleased to be, to be leading it now and, uh, and excited for the next 10 years. So I think that's it from us. Thank you uh, to both of you for sharing the very origins of the centre and uh, the relationship with Professor Eunice, which has been so important to us and which has been uh, a very exciting one. And uh, happy 10th anniversary, everybody in the Eunice Centre. Absolutely. Happy 10th, folks. Happy 10th. I would like to thank our principal, Professor Pamela Gillies, and Professor Cam Donaldson for appearing on today's episode. And of course, Professor Rachel Baker, an excellent host throughout. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening and I hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be talking to another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us from. And make sure you give us a five-star rating. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been the Common Good Podcast. <laughs>